May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. What did you do in the world before GPS? You remember those days? I mean, it's way back, but try to go back. You know, a, a friend calls you and says, um, Hey, uh, you know, why don't you come over and see our new place? You know, we just got this new place. We'll come over and visit, have dinner on Friday night. And you're like, oh, that sounds great. Where do you live? You know, and, and they say, oh, you know, it's over, we live on Nantucket Street uh, over on the West End, you know, not far from Sarah's house. And you're like, oh, yeah, I know the neighborhood. And those of you who are map people, you go and you get a map. And for those of you who don't know, a map is somebody who actually had gone and studied geography and laid out everything. So you go and you find a map and you look in the neighborhood and you're like, oh, yeah, there's Nantucket Street. I see it. And, and you plan how to drive over there. You know, you plan your course. Come Friday, you go and you, you just have to find 1825 or whatever it is. And when, that's the way you did it before GPS if you were a map person. There are those of you here who are not map people. You don't even really know where to find a map. Um, you hear there are books of them. You don't understand why anybody would make such things. Uh, and, and for you, you don't look on a map in a world before GPS. You did something else. Do you know what you did? You remember? You asked directions, didn't you? And your friend's like, okay, you know how to get to the, you know, the, the speedway station on Market Street, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Okay, well, you go there, you make two rights and a left, and they, they give you a landmark. Usually there's a landmark, right? And you go past this park, you can't miss it, you know? Go past the park, and you turn right. And you know what happens, right? You can't find that park. Where is that park? In the world before GPS, we had to find ways to get around. Landmarks sometimes helped. Sometimes, though, there are these landmarks that are so big you can't miss them. You know, somebody said, go to the Eiffel Tower and turn left, right? Yeah, I think I, think I can do that one, you know? But you know where St. Paul's is? Yeah, I'm right across the street from St. Paul's. When I was a kid, we used to go to um, to uh, Kings Island. I lived in southwest Ohio, so Kings Island was our cedar point. Big amusement park, all these roller coasters and whatnot. There actually is an Eiffel Tower. You know? and, and people would say, okay, meet me at the Eiffel Tower. And, and you would find it. Even no matter where you were in the park, you could just like look up. Oh, there it is. And you would wander your way over to the Eiffel Tower. Sometimes landmarks are unmistakable. So much so that even, you know, the most, um, you know, geographically challenged person can find them. The eighth, eighth psalm, rather, is a hymn. The psalm that we, I was so glad that Bob had us do that in unison this morning. I was thinking, I should have said, we should do this in unison, but I forgot, and then he said it, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. A little, a little prayer of gratitude that shot up, because this psalm is a hymn. It's it's a it's a hymn of praise. It's it's actually meant to be sung almost. You know, the, so that not almost it's meant to be sung that we should we should sing this hymn and it begins the way great hymns do by stating the obvious. You know, like holy, 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 immortal, invisible, God only wise, a mighty fortress is our God. And here we get, O Lord, our Lord. I have to admit, I I don't much care for the the, the prayer book translation. Um, oh, Lord, our governor. Our governor? Really? This is what we're going to go with? I, for us, for uh, Americans, a governor is like a, like a junior varsity politician, right? I mean, it's not like the real president, you know? And, and even when you get the president, you know, it's, it, president's not all powerful. 
I know, that the president's not all powerful. The president's limited in, in the ability to, it, a king, now that's a, that's a better word, you know. But it's not the word that the, the psalmist used. What he says is, O Yahweh, our Adonai, our Lord, our master, our sovereign. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic, this, this word in Hebrew is how big, how massive, how incredibly large. I thought about how I would say this. How would I, how would I make this, you know, kind of in, in a, a colloquial form? Oh Lord, our sovereign. Oh Lord, our, our Lord. How massive is your reputation in all the world? And did you notice that the last verse was the same as the first verse? Uh, again, uh, not thrilled with the prayer book translation, dropped the O in the front of it. Oh Lord, our Lord. Oh Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the world? The psalmist seems to be saying that everything begins and ends with the majesty of God. All of life, all of everything begins and ends with the majesty of God. It, it, this, is, this is so much so that the whole world, the whole earth is filled with it. That no one can kind of get away from the, majest, the majesty of God. And I know what you're thinking. But I've met some people who have. You know, I, I have some friends who, you know, they've kind of not really bought into this thing. You know, they're, 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 they're not really in with the majesty of God. They're sort of suspect of it. They push back. The world has always been full of skeptics and scoffers. Even here, to quell the, the, the enemy and the avenger, there, even in the psalmist day, there were people who were rejecting the majesty of God. But what does the Lord do? He shows strength out of little babies. You're going, you're going to push back against this. Look at this infant child still proclaiming the majesty of God. Look at all of creation. This is what the psalmist says, you know, look around when I consider the works of your hands, your fingers, you know, look what God does. He spins this massive creation. The sun, the moon, the stars. The trees, the mountains, the valleys, these meadows. The, the, look, pull up a rock in the forest and look underneath it and look at that universe that's going on down there. It's amazing. It'll, it'll just, to get your mind around the intricacies of a, of a single tiny little insect with its vast little organism that's going on inside of it. The whole world is filled with this this majesty of God. And, and I know there are those biologists or somebody like that who would push back and say, oh, but, you know, really what you need is this massive intergalactic explosion <laughs> that took place billions and billions of years ago. And then just the right sort of circumstances came out of that and accidentally kind of formed some um, cells that turned into other cells and, and duplicated and multiplied. And pretty soon, you know, after billions of years, you get this. Well, you know... I, I, I appreciate science. I really do. I think that there's, a, there's some good in that. But really? Look at the world. I mean, just if you look at the human eyeball, it has so filled with these systems that are irreducibly complex. The massiveness of, of God's creation, the wonder of it, is amazing. And if we begin to think about it, if we begin to think about the 
the bigness, you know, is that a word? The bigness of the universe, the, the, the complexity of the world in which we live, and we begin to think about the wonder of who God is, it leads us to the next thought. And you know what this is. Who am I? What are human beings, really? What are human beings in the midst? I mean, the truth is not much, right? We're really not much at all. We're a bit insignificant. But we are clever, aren't we? Have you ever think of, ever thought about how how hard we work at not working? <laughs> like um, these great inventions like the automobile. The, the automobile invented so that we don't have to walk, right? Uh, we, we will spend a lot of it. The Segway. Have you seen these Segways? You know, that you like, get on them and you just kind of lean, you know? We just want to be able to lean and move, you know? All the time and energy that we spend on the many things that we create, the microwave, the couch, computers, televisions, Brain surgery. Yeah, the couch. You know, it was invented by somebody somewhere along the way. Somebody said, you know, I think we could do better. You know, I could vent this thing that we could sit on and also lay down on. It would be a wonderful, uh, you invite friends over and they can sit on it too. A thought experiment. Suppose we removed human beings and just human beings from creation. You know, something happened, uh, you know, uh, a zombie-like uh, disease, you know, and it just wiped out. I'm sorry. It, it, everybody's gone. We're all gone. But everything else stays. You know, my Labrador Lucy continues to live. You know, um, the deer and the ladybugs and everything else continues to stay. Nothing. It doesn't touch anything but humans. Creation could go on without us, couldn't it? It could go on without us. I mean, Lucy would have to find a way into the refrigerator, but she's pretty clever. She would do it, you know. Um, animals would survive. They could live without us. And yet, here's the... Here's the, the, the God made humans just a little bit lower than himself. He's crowned us with honor and glory. In fact, the psalmist says, humans sit at the pinnacle of creation. We are God's masterpiece. In this world of masterpieces, we are the top of the, of the food chain. We are the, the, the most... Inc- you made us just a little lower than the angels. The real word here is Elohim. You made us just a little lower than God. You made us like, like gods in this world. And this isn't a point of, of pride or arrogance. We didn't do it for ourselves. <laughs> we didn't create ourselves to be this way. This is what God did for us. Now, I want you to think about this, another thought experiment. Suppose, um, since this is a fantasy, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a great painter, right? And I paint this great portrait, and I give it to you. All right? Here. It's my gift. Take this. What would you do with it? Well, you know what you would do with it. You, would, you, you probably wouldn't take it home and put, you know, dogs playing poker over top of it, would you? Or a velvet Elvis. You wouldn't do that. Um... Theoretically, you could. Uh, this is a fantastic portrait. I, this is really a great work of art that I've done for you. Y- you, would, you wouldn't take it home and um, you know, use it as kindling for a fire or fold it up and use it as a dustpan next time you clean the kitchen. You, know, you would take it home and you would frame it. And you'd put it you know, on a wall where it's noticeable. And when your friends came over, you would say, look, I know the artist. This is a Joe Boizel original right here. <laughs> look, he signed it and gave it to me. 
God gave us all of creation. He puts it under our feet, not to exploit or to trample upon, but to preserve and to care for, right? Because he made us just a little lower than himself. This is the creation, this wonder we're over top of. God made all of this, and God made us, and he made us to know him. We alone have this unique capacity. What are humans that you're mindful of them? The son of man that you take thought of? What, what am I that God actually takes time to think about me and you? What is it about us that makes us so special? This ought to overwhelm us. You know, the sense of, wow, I was made to oversee God's creative wonder, and I was made to know God and he to know me. If that doesn't overwhelm you, um, if that doesn't kind of give you a sense of the awesomeness of God, I don't know what would. Um, they would say in Mississippi, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. You know, This is something that ought to just kind of make you uh, overwhelmed and, and astonished. Today is Trinity Sunday. God is one and yet three. God is not divided. God is Unity, perfect unity, not three person, one person, one, not one, uh, three gods, rather, one God in three persons. It's the most complicated doctrine in any religion in the world. I know of no other, no other doctrine in any religion that is more complicated than the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, if you would like to, we could sit down in, in my study and spend the rest of the afternoon. Uh, I could explicate the entire dogma to you to the point where you might say, Wow, I think I understand what I'm supposed to believe, and I might even buy into it, but do you understand it? And you know what my answer would be to you? No. The idea of God is so big that I can't get my head around it. This doctrine is so complicated, so complex, that I can't possibly take it in, but I do believe it. But, of course, you're asking me, somebody who really couldn't categorize a platypus, you know? What is a platypus? It has fur and web feet and a bill and lays eggs, you know? Um, it's like a... It's like a beaver and a duck got married and had children, and, and this is what you get, you know? I, I don't know. There are things that are sometimes too complicated and difficult to understand. Anne Lamott says this, I didn't need to understand the unity of the Trinity. I just needed to turn my life over to whoever came up with redwood trees. I like that. I just needed to turn my life over to whoever came up with redwood trees. And you could add platypus or whatever else, sun, moon, and stars. I worship the God that made the trees, the one who made the stars, that made the universe. This is the, the one I worship, the creator God. The psalmist this morning gives us a road map of sorts. And if you don't like maps, then perhaps he gave us directions. Look for these landmarks. <laughs> Look for this big landmark. Worship the God that made the redwood trees, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Because when you know that, when you worship that God, and you know that that God knows you and that you know him, then that makes sense of everything else in life. And if you miss that, you miss everything. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.